Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and salutations. Come on in. Come on in. It's another rendition of Revolutionary All the Come back home to Africa. Come back home. 
ago, ame, ago, ame, ago, ame. Welcome and greetings to another edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. All is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, I like to start like this. Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. That one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scatter to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu. Aboru, Aboye, Abosheshe, Ashe. May our Ebo reach your room. May our Ebo be accepted. And may our Ebo allow what we desire to come to pass. Divine all blessings, peace and love, joy and prosperity, elevation. Revelations and manifestation. You are now sitting live with the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African Hudu world spiritualist perspective understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veils for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle this is my personal and constant prayer my mantra affirmation reverberation my reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. It is crucial to the very foundation of my understanding, my teaching, my walk, my works, and ultimately my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, the divine prince, make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Father Earth. And it is my personal place of power and understanding. It is the place from where I begin. It is the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Greetings, beloved. This Monday, March 1st, 2021, Ose Ogun, and I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally, from this working temple of the house of the Divine Prince. Thai Potions, Central LLC, in this beautiful, legendary, historic, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this hoodoo, obeya, life path, and journey. 
passing down the great obvious stick, along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, and indeed, as the beloved Denise Augustine would say, the legacy, the culture, the traditions, the histories of our sacred stories. And for your tour plus experience, please do RSVP. Make your appointments at www.OurSacredStories.com for your tour plus experience. If you're looking for the voodoo, then you want to email me at Divine Prince at com. My website and contact sheet is www.houseofthedivineprince.com The creation of space, sacred space, is critical to all that we do, all that we are, who we are, and where we be at any moment in time space, the creation of sacred space. And it is in this squared circle of gods and goddesses that we create sacred space each and every noon, high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, weekdays here on Block Talk Radio, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, my EarthCam page, my YouTube page, and of course, my Block Talk Radio page. Please do visit me and sign up with me and for me to receive timely alerts at www.blog. B-L-O-G, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. You must put that, that dash between the dash divine dash prince in order to properly bring up uh, my show page. You all do know I can see you, right? <laughs> you do know I can see you, right? Please do sign up at my blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince in order to receive your timely alerts and also have a backup, an audio backup to the show that you can always listen to an archive. You can also view the show in archive at youtube.com forward slash voodoo tie V like Victor O O. D like David, O-O-T-Y-E. Voodoo Thai is my YouTube moniker. Greetings and beloved to everyone in the room, collectively and independently. Takara T, of course, my my queen mother is in the house, the evangelist Vonsell Savage. Greetings, Kayla Talk, Martha Martinez, Matthew Ferguson, Craig Burns, Neophyte Bokur, one of my faithful and most committed co-hosts. Of course, I welcome you, S. Marie. Thank you so much, beloved. Zai Marcus Art, my favorite artist in America, in the beautiful city of Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much to Coldest216 for always showing up. I certainly appreciate you. Divine all blessed birthday to you, multiplied, and many more. Thank you so much, the beloved J.P. Tarot readings. One of the few people that I think have any kind of sense <laughs> in social media. Your posts are always radical. Your posts are always on point. Your posts are always rational. Your posts make sense. And I'm grateful for you, J.P. Tarot, for being willing to do the work. 
I'm grateful. Shamafia, beloved, thank you so much, the rageless Shamafia. Infinite joy and alignment with you as well, beloved, along your divine, all blessed journey, hidden realms, sorcery, greetings, beloved, and many blessings to you as well. Y'all bringing tears to my eyes. I am indeed always humbled, honored, and appreciative to share this sacred space with you. And indeed, it is a sacred space. It is not only my sacred space, but when I open up and allow you in, no filters, no backgrounds, no trickery, no, no shenanigans, I'm grateful that you all find the time. In the middle of your day, whatever time it might be, I realize I have an international reach right now. Whatever time of day or night it might be, I'm grateful that you find your way here to this broadcast, to this podcast. It certainly gives me strength. It gives me power. It gives me motivation. It lets me know that I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting my words. I'm not wasting my efforts. And indeed, a new generation of parents, brothers, sisters, children, grandchildren, mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, grandma, grandpa, are passing on these traditions authentically to the next generation. I'm indeed grateful for the Queen Quet of the Gullah Geechee Nation, who's always finding time, even though she's got such a busy schedule, she's always finding the time to be present for us, to be present for the young and the old and the community. And indeed, there is no voodoo without nature. There is no Ifa without nature. There is no Orisha without nature. There is no Loa without nature. But there also is no ATR, traditional African-based religious systems, without family, without community, without bodies. I'm asked, why am I not more entertaining? Beloved, we're not here to entertain. We're not here to be popular. Popular doesn't equal authenticity. Entertainment doesn't equal authenticity. And indeed, a ceremony, a ritual, even a reading requires more than one body. Requires more than one body. So we can flood our Instagram stream. We can flood our Twitter screen with all these isolated, individualized demonstrations of where you are in the tradition. Because no matter what I think, no matter what you think, when we post, people who are operating authentically in these traditions, they can see us. They can see us. They can see through us. They can understand us. Iyala Van Zant made a post the other day, and I can't quite remember word for word what it is. But she said every time you open your mouth, you're sharing a, a, an expression, a vision, a look into the state of your heart and the state of your mind. Every time we post, every time we say something, every time we put up a video, we are showing the state of our heart and our minds. And, and like J.P. Terrell said a little earlier today on Twitter, I just don't understand how you could be so deep, so spiritual, so hoodoo, so voodoo in the one post. And then the next post, you a hot mess. I think we're supposed to elevate that, acknowledge that, click like and reshare that. 
we got to get clear about our inner vision, our inner vision. Because, see, I can dress up. I can put on jeans. I can put on a T-shirt. I can grow hair. I cannot have hair. Inner vision. And you got to be able to see yourself authentically, honestly, with clarity, as clear as you believe you see others. As clear as you are observing and absorbing the demonstration of others. Many of us have been through other religions. I've been an evangelical Christian. I've been a Baptist. I've been a Muslim. I've been a Rastafarian. I've been many other practices, religions, and traditions. And, and one thing that ties them all together is humanity. <laughs> it's humanity. And humans are going to do what humans do. And when humans demonstrate who they are, Maya Angelou, beloved ancestor Maya Angelou, when people show you who they are, when people demonstrate who they are, believe them the first time. Believe them the first time. And it leaves plenty of room for growth. It, pl- it leaves plenty of room for evolution. It leaves plenty of room for change. But remember, we don't remember who we are. So it's difficult for us to see through the clouds, through the fog, through the mist, to clearly identify who others are when we can't see ourselves with any level of clarity. Louisiana voodoo, also known as New Orleans voodoo, describes a set of spiritual beliefs, practices, traditions developed from the traditions of the African diaspora in Louisiana. And New Orleans has always been a port city from the beginning. This is and still remains to be and was one of the largest ports in America. 80% of your coffee comes through the port of New Orleans. All your Folgers coffee is packaged and arrives through the port of New Orleans. (laughs) Okay, we've always been an international city. So we've always had Akan, Fon, Ewe, Igbo, Yoruba, Ga, Dongbe, and many other ethnic cultural traditions in this gumbo pot that is New Orleans. What we do is sometimes referred to as Mississippi Delta voodoo when referring to the historic popularity and development in the greater Mississippi Valley. I've said before over the, over the years of doing this show, before we had cars, when we were still riding horses and carriages, The Mississippi River was the great highway of America. And so as these traditions begin to leak and be appropriated and be bastardized and commercialized and and, and touristized for tourism within the community, it also traveled up the Mississippi River, giving birth to hoodoo. I don't know what you heard. (laughs) New Orleans birthed. Voodoo. Voodoo is one of the many incarnations of African-based spiritual practices and traditions, which we now umbrella under ATR, traditional African-based religious systems. And it's rooted in Dahomey, rooted in Dahomeyan voodoo. I like to remind you that the very first ship that brought our enslaved family members to this here port of New Orleans came from Benin, came from Benin, 
So the great serpent deity, which we know here as Le Grand Zombie, arrived directly from Benin to New Orleans. Throughout the South, throughout the South, 1700, 1800, you couldn't dance. You couldn't drum. You had to hide in secret just to, just to learn to read that Bible. You had to hide in secret just to have a, a wedding, just to have a repast. And indeed, traditions developed under those oppressive scenarios, even among the Gullah Geechee, known as low country voodoo and hoodoo, even among the Gullah Geechee. So we were able to maintain under the strictest of oppressive environments, an oppressive environment that didn't quite match what happened in Brazil, which birthed Kendable, which didn't quite happen in Cuba, which was allowed to develop this elaborate, complicated system of Lukumi. It didn't happen quite the same way in Puerto Rico, which developed Santeria. And, and, and in concert with Cuba, Palo, it didn't quite affect Venezuela in the same way, which allowed for the development of Maria Leonza. Some say, well, why is that? Well, first, the Catholic Church had an agreement. And these Catholic, Spanish-speaking, Portuguese-speaking nations, if they would just embrace Catholicism, be baptized, follow all the tenets of Catholicism, we allow them their time to practice their traditions. And they believe it somehow made us more loyal, more committed, happier, and so therefore less likely to, to run and escape. I like to take note that many of these re- regions have mountainous regions that we don't quite have in the, in the deep south. And that mountainous region and, and, and jungle and bush allowed for a documented record of maroonage to take place among those ethnic groups, among those countrymen and women. But we had maroonage here too. We had over 260 maroon camps just here in the surrounding area of New Orleans. Many of you know on June 19th every year, I celebrate St. Milo. One of the the leaders, the kings, if you will, of, of maroonage, here in the New Orleans, Louisiana area, who, who would leave and go and go and leave and would bring and transport messages, food, resources, you know, from the maroon camp back into his job, this environment of enslavement. And, and eventually they decapitated him and hung him and, and many others here in, in this beautiful Jackson Square that we now celebrate, and, and many of you tourists find your, your way to. That very brick, that very ground, where the fortune tellers and the psychic readers are, are sitting and, and reading your palms, is also the same ground, right in front of St. Louis, Louis Cathedral, right in front of the uh, Presbyterian Louisiana State Museum, is also the ground that many of our ancestors were sold from, killed on, disciplined on. And so we must know and understand our story in truth. In truth. And and it's gotta be in here before it can come out of here. It's gotta be here before it can come out of the mouth. 
we, we got to be willing to ingest and digest this information. Otherwise, we'll continue to see the trending, popularized, bastardized views of our tradition. And in, in the most recent show, I believe, I, I reminded you about COINTEL. I reminded you about COINTELPRO. COINTELPRO is not dead. The involvement in our traditions, our organizations that lead to freedom, human rights, civil rights, is still being infiltrated by government informants, but by, by those who would otherwise see the destruction of our traditions. And today with the Internet, it's very easy to bastardize it, to appropriate it. All I have to do is, is, is draw a, a comical cartoon book and call it hoodoo, voodoo, and many of you would buy it. Many of you would eat it up. Many of you would be burning candles and mixing herbs and, and doing all kind of kitchen witchery, <laughs> you know, if we just put a stamp on it, if we just put an author's name on it. Many of you don't even look into the background of the author of these books. How much time do you spend on those first four pages of the book and maybe those last 10 pages of the book. <laughs> you know, my mother being a former educator required that of us, required that of us. We couldn't say we were bored in our house. We had to pull out an encyclopedia and do a book report. We had to pull out a dictionary and a, and a thesaurus. We couldn't say, mom, how do you spell this word? Her first response was spell it out. Sound it out, sound it out, and, and, and from that you go to the dictionary, you go to the thesaurus, you go to the encyclopedia. Voodoo's liturgical language in Louisiana is Louisiana Creole, one of the two main heritage languages, the other being Louisiana French of the Louisiana Creole people. And we've had both Spanish Creole and French Creole to leave a footprint on this city. Many people think of Creole, especially those who don't live here, who don't understand the dynamics of Louisiana, any more than you understand that we don't have counties, <laughs> we have parishes, neglect that we have that Spanish footprint and that French footprint. And then we have the American sector beyond the French Quarter, and your Irish, your German, your Irish, you know, your Protestant portion of St. Louis Cemetery number one. The cultural melting pot, the cultural gumbo, the crossroads, the port city that I, that I described earlier in the show. And so this language became syncretized with Catholic and Francophone culture here in New Orleans as a result of African cultural oppression in the region as part of the Atlantic slave trade. Louisiana voodoo is often confused with Haitian voodoo, confused with. And so when you're throwing up use, my brother, <laughs> the second, you know who you are, <laughs> Il, the second, um, you're, you're confusing this with Haitian voodoo. This ain't Haiti. This ain't Haitian voodoo. This is deep southern Mississippi Delta voodoo. This is Louisiana, New Orleans voodoo. But while related to these forms of practice, belief, and tradition, this is a very distinct system of its own. 
just as distinct as voodoo in Haiti, just as distinct as voodoo in Togo and Benin, just as distinct as Ifa among the Yoruba, and et cetera. My godchildren, my initiates, and my clients who've done ancestral work and divination understand this. They understand that at the root of this is an ethnocultural religious base that can't be ignored if you're going to operate in these traditions authentically. I'll say successfully, you must understand that base of understanding. And so it's important to me that we continue to teach the truth and not entertain. It's important to me that we continue to be authentic in our demonstration and not get seduced by popularity, by social media likes, by social media numbers, which don't really mean a whole lot in the in the in the interest of things, <laughs> okay? You all confuse popularity with authenticity, just like you did in the church. You all confuse wealth and fine clothes and fine cars and, and showing videos of stacks of money with real work, with realness. How many of you have figured out by now that some stacks of money not real? You can buy stacks of money, okay, from a novelty shop. You all do understand that, right? How, how often do you see numbers? How often do you see a close-up of those stacks of money? So uh, I said it yesterday. I'm going to say it again today. You fake witches can kick rocks, doorstops, and rabbit holes. Continue to chase rabbit holes. It's not my job to wake you up. Some of you have been in the military. You understand that language. It's not my job to wake you up. My job is to be present and to be a consistent and authentic demonstration and to be a teacher and a mentor and a friend when you show up. That's my job. My job is not to wake up anybody who's sleeping on me. And certainly my job is not to wake up anybody who's sleeping on themselves. I tweeted yesterday, how much responsibility, how much autonomy, how much should should a person care about a person who does not care enough about themselves? You can only do so much. You can only go so far. We understand that with drug abuse, we understand that you got to show tough love and sometimes people have to hit a bottom. You know, you, you can't become an enabler, you can't become codependent, or you become a part of the, the cycle of continuing that addictive behavior. Religion can be an addiction. Entertainment can be an addiction. A, a desire to, to pull up your device every day and, and, and get lost down the rabbit hole of foolishness can be an addiction. We want entertainment not knowledge. We want magic and spells, which is temporary and not power. We don't desire empowerment. We desire the look of success. We desire the look of popularity. We desire the look of, you know, 
I'm wearing my labels and I got on my goal and I'm doing my thing and my hair is dead and my nails are done and my shoes are polished. But, but we are not concerned about the depth of things. And it's not just us. We see it in our politics today. We see it in our government today. We see it in, in the communities of America today. People are not interested in truth. They're interested in entertainment, showiness, exaggerated behavior, over-the-top behavior. How many times can you end up in, in, in the newspaper? How many times can you end up on Wendy Williams? And how often do we hear it said, particularly among the successful celebrities, that any coverage is good coverage? Any publicity is good publicity. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that this show is boring. If my show was boring, it wouldn't be so many people showing up here every day. (laughs) And we are not the entertainment channel. We're not the cartoon network. There are plenty of clowns on too many channels that you can go chase. You want spells and not experience. There are plenty of comics and comedians on many of these networks. I say, I shall go, Ogu. You can have them, and you can have that. Grandma used to say, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is working, and, and not just for me, but for many who, who seek this out. This is working. So I'm grateful for being blessed. I'm grateful for being empowered. Thank you, Austria. We appreciate you, Beast Poet. Thank you so much. I'm grateful. And if it ain't broke, I don't intend to fix it. I don't intend to change it. It's absolutely working. Every time you turn around, it's a new movie. Every time you turn your head, it's a new TV show. Every time you look up, it's a new music video. And Michi X is coming. You better know it. Michi X video is coming. Every time you turn around, it's another documentary. This, this is working. This is working. And I ask myself, just, just as I offer you to ask yourself, is it working for you? Because if what you're doing is okay, have at it. Have at it. But the ancestors have so much more for us. The Orisha and the Loa and the spirits are here to help us to do more and to gain more and to reach higher and to see more. Man, my number just jumped to 72 active listeners and participants. I'm grateful. I'm truly grateful. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) I'm here to talk about voodoo, authentic demonstrations of voodoo. I'm not here to do a ceremony. It takes people to do a ceremony. I'm not here to do a ritual. It takes people to do a ritual. I might do a reading or two, but y'all act like y'all scared to call. And my number is available at area code 845-277-9143, When you're ready with your question, comment, or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad. It'll virtually raise your hand here for me, and then I'll come in and unmute your mic. 
Um, I'm grateful for my co-host, Neil Fight Bokur, who's always standing up with me, even if he's sitting down in the truck. He finds a way to do his work and be present. I'm grateful for my godchildren, Arisha and Chef Bougie and who do occultism and, and many others who show up when they could be doing other things. Thank you, Craig Burns. Uh, yes, many end up at voodoo, and, and, and we ask ourselves about that. Why? With all the indigenous practices and traditions and ethnocultural truths in the world, why do people end up coming for voodoo? Rightly, legitimately, as well as the appropriation and the bastardization, why is voodoo the target? One of my elders told me it's the power. It's the power. People seek the power that is in voodoo, the power. Uh, yes, uh, Beast Poet from Austria came through research via PBS and saw where I was featured on uh, PBS Mantrum with Dr. Emily Zarka. And I am still a bit unsure whether I am not in a way intruding, but I didn't plan it just saw your demonstration and felt true. No, so far you're not intruding whatsoever, and we appreciate questions, comments. We appreciate active participants um, in the show. I even appreciate uh, legitimate criticism in the show. So, yeah, we're not disturbed or bothered at all. Greetings, um, Imani Sankofa. Thank you so much, beloved. Um, American Gods is a must-see for the Orisha path. Um, I like American Gods. Um, American Gods is entertainment. Um, they've taken creative license. Um, and any painter, any sculptor, any crafter, uh, anybody who creates, you know, something for entertainment and, and art is going to take creative license. Jamafia, you of all people, rageless, I know you know. It, it's, they've crossed just too many lines in that show. Um, they, they've turned Orisha into something uh, magical and superhero-like. And, and just those words, magical, um, spell, superhero, have they root in Eurocentric Western notions and, and culture. Our people didn't use words like magic, didn't use words like spell. Um, and it doesn't mean that we didn't see the demonstration of our deities as doing magical and miraculous and powerful things, much like people expect that from God to be magical, powerful, to do superhuman-like feats, things that we can't do. But I'm just, I'm very cautious, beloved, about these shows. Um, City of Gods I'm sorry, American Gods uh, What's the other one uh, With City in the name uh, Help me out, uh, Neophyte Bokor What's the name of that TV show um, I showed a video of it a few weeks back um, With many of my community members on it oh, There's a couple of um, But it had you know, uh, Cloak and Dagger was one of my favorites But that had a lot in there Yeah, Cloak and Dagger, which I'm partly responsible oh. for um, but it's entertainment. Uh, what is that TV show? Some 
top of my mind. I had something else on my mind earlier that had to do with Papa Doc, uh, uh, but we'll probably get to that one later. Uh, you had American Gods, then American Horror Story, and then and you had um, oh, Dungeon Dagger. Come on, y'all in the chat. I know y'all know what show I'm talking about. J.P. Terrell knows the show I'm talking about. It's got City in the name. It's a, it's a new series. I believe it's on Netflix. It was filmed here in New Orleans, partly. There's a scene with uh, Brother Andrew drumming and Kent and, and a few other people standing behind him, sort of gesturing in the voodoo ceremony. But, but the point I'm trying to make is it's a very thin line, and particularly with this younger generation, to what's real and what's being demonstrated in these TV shows. And Shamafia, that's what makes me nervous. Because we see these shows uh, and these movies, Skeleton Key, Serpent in the Rainbow, and people really believe that that is an authentic representation of what these traditions are. And so that's why I try to spend that hour before noon, before I actually come on, playing videos here in the chat. The chat is, is private until noon. So you have to be here in the, in the chat in order to see that hour before noon when I'm playing videos, sometimes music videos, always with an ifa or a voodoo or an ATR theme. But more importantly, the videos that show ceremonies, that show ritual, that, that show the actual demonstration of these traditions. And no one's ever alone. No one's ever isolated. No one's ever doing uh, spell work, you know, or even reading to a great degree by themselves. You know, in, in Nigeria, we, we see three or four elders in the room, along with the Babalao who's doing the reading, along with the client who's being read. And so we see a lot of um, things that reinforce what I call Western isolation. It's amazing how we live in, in some of the most populated areas of the planet and, and pull on the carbon footprint and, and pull on the electrical grid and, and pull on the, the pollution statistics. And, and so many of us, you know, L.A., New York, Chicago, New Orleans, Miami, you know, Charlotte, there's just so many of us, yet there's a higher degree of people here who feel alone who feel isolated. And the key word is feel, because it has everything to do with the balance of your feelings. It's an illusion. Isolation is an illusion. Many of you can't turn to the left or the right without there being another person, another human. The problem is in the West, we don't feel connected. We don't feel empathy, sympathy, love, feelings, emotions. Depending on what community you come out of, you're taught not to feel emotions. You're taught to squash your emotions. And for us Africans here in America, uh, born and raised here in America, that's built into the culture. When you come out of lynching and enslavement, you know, we're taught to push that down and, and keep running. Push those emotions down and keep moving forward. Push those emotions down and keep fighting. And now that we have all this technology and, and a little bit of autonomy and some of you got good credit and own properties and, and have rental space and 
you know, but yet we feel this divide. The the social media even tries to um, drum up some kind of divide between black and women, black men and women, which I don't necessarily agree with. It's too many black babies being born, you know, to, to suggest that there's some kind of divide between black men uh, and black men, women. The problem is they're looking at the divorce numbers, the marriage numbers, the, the taxing numbers, the, the, all the legalities that are connected to it that have very little to do with the relationship or the marriage, but have everything to do with the government and money and, and taxation. And, and as we continue to grow and evolve beyond the church, the synagogue, the mosque, some of these older organized systems that are no longer serving us, we're finding that we're having problems with what marriage is and what it looks like, what relationships are and what they look like. Some of you are claiming to be polyamorous and polygamous and, you know, that's cute in a pop cultural sense, in a social media sense. But if you are broken and, and ill and sick and not whole, and now you're just inviting two or three more people into that sickness, you know, it's not in its proper context. We try to take things from the indigenous world, take things from the old way of doing things, and then bring them into modernization. And and now with the, with the social media and, and the dollars connected to social media, everybody wants to create something new. Everybody wants to be the originator of something. Everybody wants to be able to put their name on something so they can then sell that and market that. And they're now running out of ideas, creative ideas. We see that on TV and in movies. And now they're pulling from indigenous cultures, indigenous traditions, history, and and trying to force that into a modernized mold. And, And it just doesn't work. There's a certain mindset that comes with the indigenous lifestyle that many of us have lost and, and, and have sought to regain. Many of us have lost and have no sense of, of, of regaining, have no idea of how we connect. I, I noticed some of my brothers and sisters who support ADOs have no connection to Africa at all and, and somehow separate them out and separate other black people out from our experience. And the reality is the whole globe is responsible for our experience. The whole globe. The whole globe is also a part of our experience. When we understand the transporting of human bodies to various locations around the planet. I think for those who do take that position among the ADOs, it really comes back to reparations and not wanting to share or have to decide who's black enough to to be a part of, of, of receiving any probable reparation that might come at some point in our future. Because it's certainly not happening right now. Um, and, and we saw what happened with the 40 acres in the mule. Aunt Julia Brown is a good example of that. Her husband was dead in the year, and she was dead in the year after that. You know, And they were one of the largest property owners in in that area of Louisiana at the time. So um, I'm open to reparations. I support reparations. But if you can't count, if you don't understand how to deal with finances, 
If you don't understand how to invest right now, if you don't understand growing your own food and, and living off the land and applying resources right now, then a million dollars in reparations is not going to help you. It's going to help Chanel, Fendi, BMW, Lincoln. That's who it's going to help. It, it, it ain't going to help you, and it's not going to help the community because the minds haven't been reborn. The minds haven't been deprogrammed, decolonized. Um, Ashe, Ashe, oh, uh, neophyte before, does anyone join the panel or call in with comments or questions? Um, not lately. <laughs> not lately. I'm trying to inspire some more people to, you know, get the fear, jump on the cam, call in. Um, I got, because I still got a lot of questions myself. I'm, I really try to um, limit how much, uh, uh, how many questions I bring because uh, some of my questions are, are very probing and uh, uh some of the information you have to you have to be initiated for. So, uh, but I do have a question about people's understanding of history, the time period between World War One and World War Two, and what state of mind were we in when Ghana actually got its statehood? You know, that's an important thing, but. You really don't see a lot of that. It's not something that you're just going to grab any old history book and find. You're going to have to find the people. Um, like I was saying earlier uh, about Papa Doc, uh, the Louvier, I mean, he, this, this man, he brought an atmosphere to, to Haitian people that I think was detrimental to its growth at that time and why I believe there's such a, a heinous divide between Louisiana Creole Voodoo and Hoodoo and this Haitian elder. Um, it, it's it's unfortunate that we don't even have an understanding of that small bit of history right there and why there's such a divide. Uh, we don't like each other because I I personally believe that 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 time frame where he literally changed Haitian policy to accommodate his what his his desire to rule, and I think it was like a like a, a bad. It just didn't it didn't sit well. It didn't grow the shit. Uh, it didn't produce good fruit, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's still something that I think a lot of us should go back and revisit. If you don't know if you if you, if you neglect this history. It's gonna repeat itself. It, it feels like it's repeating itself right now. Uh, but the divide, the same divide that we're going through now, the same type of divide that they were going to, through back then. So these small details to this history is definitely it, it started to shed its head again. It started really uh, uh, take off its mask and show its true colors. Yeah. Yeah, and as the beloved uh, in in the chat said, um, it's an agenda. That's why I continue to invoke the name COINTEL. It is an agenda, an agenda to corrupt, to transform, to bastardize, to appropriate. It's absolutely an agenda. And often the agendas that, you know, we see thrown up, you know, in the conspiracy theory groups, it ain't even that. (laughs) You know, those things are often a distraction 
to the real agenda, which is the continued disempowerment of the people. And yes, if we better understand the history and the timing and the, and the world global effects that the Haitian Revolution had on the planet, then you would better understand why we're continuing to be stopped, blocked, provoked, prevented from truly evolving ATR as a real uh, option to Christianity, Judaism, politics even. Some of you have given up religion and have taken on politics, you know, and that's your new religion. But if we truly understand what that was really about, you know, there may not have been a black code if it weren't for Haitian Revolution. Our, our mobility was limited after the revolution. Our ability to get together to gather was greatly curtailed after the Haitian Revolution. Uh, uh, the KKK and lynching and all those things were developed after the Haitian Revolution. So the fear of a black planet, thank you, Chuck D., but, but the fear of a Africanized, indigenized spiritual black planet is where the power is. There should be ATR temples right now. Where, where, are, the, where are the Orisha temples? Where are the voodoo temples at? You know, uh, other than my house and a few other uh, limited locations in America, you know, among the Gullah Geechee. But, but where are the temples at? Where are we now pulling our energy those of us who say, I'm, I'm, I'm ridding myself of the system, I'm pulling out, I'm getting away from, to go to what? Because right now it's looking like, you know, rugged isolation, self-absorption, me, myself, and I. I'm only worried about me. I can't worry about the government. I can't worry about you. I can't even worry about my neighbor. And that's something that's so taboo still in New Orleans, which is one of the reasons that I just love this city. You know, we have these transplants that move here from from Minnesota, New York, wherever y'all come from. Y'all don't say good morning. Y'all don't say good evening. Y'all don't say how you doing, how your mom and them. You know, you don't say please. You don't say thank you. You know, you don't acknowledge humanity. And, and all you see is yourself. And listen, I'm a product of big cities now. I, I was born in Chicago. I grew up in the DMV. I know what being in cities is about. Sometimes saying good morning and good afternoon can keep you from getting robbed. Sometimes saying good morning and good afternoon helps you identify who don't belong here. But as long as we're walking around in silence and isolation in our own little bubble with, with your headphones and your earplugs in, you know, in, in your own little encapsule, and, and some of you have just created really nice, Comfortable prisons for yourself. They don't have to come for you. The police don't have to stop you at the store. You you've imprisoned. You've home imprisoned yourself, and you've made it real comfortable. You you got everything you need, you know. And, and I'm not talking about the pandemic. I, I I know we've we've made adjustments for the pandemic, you know. But but many of us long before the pandemic were locked in, locked away caged, and particularly in the bigger cities. I know too many people. I know what I'm talking about, and you all know too many people like that, too. Don't go anywhere. Avoid getting in, in, involved in any kind of crowd. 
you know, won't go out and socialize because that's too dangerous. You know, we now call my beloved city, Chicago, Chirac, you know, and so some of y'all won't go to a club, won't go to a party. You know, we got parents that are now teaching that. You don't go to parties. You don't go to to, to house parties. You don't go to, to the club. You don't go to large events. Out of fear, out of fear that someone's going to shoot up the place, you know. So reparations is not going to help us if, if our minds haven't been repatriated back to, to a more uh, indigenous way of, of viewing things. And, and even in a modern context, uh, as I said, if, we, if you can't count, if you're already having a, pr- a problem with a budget, if you already don't understand finance, a million-dollar lotto is not going to help. Hitting the Powerball ain't going ain't to improve things for you. You might have fun for 90 days, six months, but, but, but a year, you'll be broke again. You know, some of you would get that and wouldn't even leave that environment that, that's already toxic. So we, we've got to, you know, uh, Beloved asked, what should she be reading if she wants to study? When I say this, people really don't like the answer, but it's the truth. Read everything. Read everything. And see, the idea that I'm just going to be drawn to the hoodoo book, the root work book, the, you know, the voodoo book, the Orisha book, the, the candle magic book. But we're not learning anything about plants. We're not learning anything about herbs. You have no understanding of what metaphysics is, what quantum science shows up, how it looks like, you know, in this reality. You don't know anything about ethnic groups. Some of you still can't pronounce Yoruba. If I hear Yoruba one more time, you're talking about an island. Okay, Yoruba is an island. The word is Yoruba. Ewe. Igbo, Akan, that's, beloved, that's where you want to read. That's where you want to read. When you throw hoodoo or, or voodoo into the search engine, you're getting what's being passed around in Instagram. You're getting what's being rewritten and repassed around in, in Twitter. So if you aren't searching for words like Akan, Fan, Ewe, Efe, Don, then you're not even being exposed to the authentic practice because they don't call it voodoo. They don't call it hoodoo. They either use the language of their people or they use the language of the tradition. And so that, that's how you do your search. Find out who you are. Come on and get this ancestor work and divination done and find out who you are. Then search your family. Then search your people, and then you'll get a better, more authentic understanding of this demonstration. By the time it gets to YouTube, no matter how authentic it is, I showed two voodoo, authentic voodoo ceremonies before we came into the show today, during that 11 a.m. to 12 noon. No matter how authentic, authentic that demonstration, you have no idea what's going on if you, if you don't know what's going on. You have no clue what's going on. And so it's one thing to, to mimic a bottle of rum and, and a candle and, and some drum. You don't even understand that those drummers are speaking a language, a very distinct and specific language. It, it's not random. 
it's not like the gospel choir is singing and people are tapping their foot and beating a tambourine and, and, and just feeling the motion. Those drum rhythms and patterns are very specific, very specific. And the people you see sitting around looking are looking for consistency because they understand that language. They, they know that whoever's in the middle of the room should be acting a very specific way based on what's happening. And they can pull you out for inauthenticity just based on that, just based on that. So first I say, read everything, beloved, read everything, but go deeper, go deeper. Don't be, don't be afraid to read math books, chemistry books, earth science books, botany books, because really at the end of the day, this that we call religion, spirituality, art, craft, it's really science. It's really science. And if you want a um, if you want a good person to start investigating, if you're too distracted about looking up your last name, look up uh, Dr. John Henry Clark. He was a big. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. You were doing good, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Can't hear you. Can't hear you, bro. I don't know what happened. Your mic was good, and then all of a sudden, we couldn't hear you. 845-277-9143 for my blog talk radio audience and listeners. A little. It's not as loud as it was before. The show I was talking about is Soul City. So if you haven't gone to Netflix and watched Soul City, watch Soul City, New Orleans. Yeah, you, oh yeah, there we go. We can hear you now. Okay. All right. Um, what I was saying was uh Dr. John Henry Clark is a great source uh for information. Um not only that, but he was a great advocate for what they're calling African spirituality right now. Those are the words that he chose to use when he was addressing the uh Islamic temple and the, the Christian church. He would come in and he would explain it that way. But when he spoke of it, he was speaking of it uh, uh, so that people can digest the African spirituality so that they can rename and shed the fear of it. But he was definitely a spiritual practitioner in his private life. And you can hear it in what and how he delivers his speeches. Mm-hmm. He used certain phraseology, certain words. I mean, he was that's a real. He's a, a, a storyteller. And when he teaches, you can sit and soak in everything, take notes on the books that he recommends, mm-hmm. and and dive deeper into the history that he's trying to share. So, Dr. John Henry Clark. Um, I mean, you can't. I don't. I can't find anybody deeper than that. But you have Dr. Ben, uh, uh, Dr. Jeffries, uh, all of these elders. Uh, unfortunately, not all of them with us anymore, but they left behind a great deal of information that will at least give you a much clearer direction on where you should be going with your practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's what helps me. And indeed, I say read everything because inevitably, if you do indeed read everything, you will realize that some of what you're reading is not correct. You will realize that some of what you're reading is is completely made up. Uh, People have agendas, you know, racism, sexism, homophobia. You know, what is the position of the author of the book? Um, I'm grateful Neophyte Bokur didn't mention any authors that I have a personal conflict with. Uh, because there are some out there that, that are very popular that I have a conflict with. Um, and, and one of the reasons is there are issues around sexism and, and homophobia, uh, which is not authentic to uh, indigenous teaching, whether it be in Africa or, or any other place in the world. But, but in so the reading, and I say read everything, just like my mom, you know, had us to read everything from the copyright date. Uh, to the to the cliff notes, you know, in, in the book, uh, you get a much better, almost academic like understanding of what's being said. We're too quick to to skim through to the meat. You know, I've given books as, as a homework assignment, you know, to some of my clients, and two days later they know the book, but but can't spit one word back at me from the book. Can't, can't even tell me what the book was about. You know, uh, I had one uh, caller basically gave me back the name of the book, <laughs> you know, but couldn't tell me what's in the book, you know, but, but we say we read. Um, and we do the same thing online. We skim through, you know, we, we thumb through, we scroll through, you know, and whatever jumps out, whatever catches your attention, you know, and so it motivates people to create things that jump out and catch your attention. Uh, it's the very same skill necessary to be a good marketer, uh, to produce TV commercials that, that make you remember them. Um, I love the Geico commercial, you know, with the whoop, there it is. I love that commercial. I, I move every time that TV commercial comes on, but I'm not interested in Geico. I'm not, I'm not interested in buying that insurance. You know, but those, those commercials, those advertisements, the music videos are designed to catch your attention. They're designed to get you to watch them, you know, from the beginning to the end. And, and from an entertainment value, that's great. That's great. But what is the message? I miss hip-hop and rap that had a message. I, I really miss that. You know, something other than the bling, something other than, than your, your, your breasts and your butt, something other than, you know, your fancy car and, and your newest athletic shoes, you know, people who post athletic shoes on, on a feed who aren't selling athletic shoes. I don't get that. Um, an idea that I learned very young, and this might be beneficial to somebody listening, um, you spend your money on things that have a value, and you spend your money on things that don't depreciate. For instance, when you buy a brand new car off the, off the lot, it loses several thousand dollars once you drive around the block in it. One time, it loses several thousand dollars. Whereas we think and would like to think that we purchase a home, for instance, purchase land, and it should gain value. It should increase in, in, in value. But I also don't believe in advertising for free. And, and when we film movies and TV shows, we go out of our way to make sure that the labels from legitimate businesses aren't 
views unless that business has paid a certain amount of, of money to advertise. So I don't believe in wearing somebody else's name visibly on my clothes. I don't believe in buying products and, and fine things that have somebody else's name that, that's getting wealthy on them. And, and, and that seems to be a notion that's lost to some degree in, in today's younger demographic. I, I don't see it as much with people 40 and over, uh, particularly if they have kids and they have responsibilities. I, I don't see it as much. Uh, but 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 the younger generation seems to be really drawn into stacks of fake money. Maybe I should get some. Maybe I should get some fake money <laughs> and, and hold it up and, and fan through it as the opening theme music is playing. We might get a great deal more uh, participation. And I'm grateful for the 72 people that showed up here today. Um, I'm truly honored. Uh, but, but I'm just speaking truth to what we all know to be very uh, pervasive in, in our visual culture. And I say our visual culture because as you all were discussing in the chat, you know, you got to turn your TV on to see it. You know, you got to turn your radio on to hear it. You got to open up and thumb through the magazines to see it. But, but it's on the internet. People who say, oh, I don't have a TV Y'all, I'm just, I'm just being me. That irritates the hell out of me. Because, <laughs> okay, so you don't have a TV, but you got internet. I don't have cable. Okay, but I'm able to watch everything else that's on cable on the internet. I'm able to pull it all into my device. And no matter where you are, I don't care if it's LinkedIn. I don't care if it's Alignable. I don't care if it's next door. You're being bombarded with advertisements. And unless you have the best security and the best mechanisms in place, they're tracking what you are interested in. It's a reason you search toilet paper and then go back to your email box and, and it's a dozen commercials for toilet paper. It's a reason for that. It's a reason that you search in baby doll shoes and then you get back to Facebook and it's two or three advertisements for children's shoes, baby doll shoes, baby dolls. It's a reason for that. And so we've got to be conscious because it's not like you can turn everything off. It's not like you can run and hide. It's not like you can cover your ears and your eyes. It has everything to do with what's going on in here. Everything to do with what's going on in here. The Internet don't affect me emotionally the way it affects some of you. Some of you are, are, are easily provoked, easily called out. Because I watch the post. And, and, oh, 100 people got to respond, either to correct or to be critical or to give their two cents. It has everything to do with the emotional condition of humanity today. And a lot of people, for whatever reason, health reasons, isolation based on geography, you know, the pandemic. But we have a, a whole generation of young people who feel lonely, who feel isolated, who don't feel connected. And their whole world is happening on Twitter. We know grown folk, 30, 40, 50, 60, whose whole world is going on on Twitter, you know. And, and we know it because no individual, no app can post that regularly and that consistently all day. And, and, and J.P. Terrell brought that up earlier this morning. When are y'all doing the work? 
When do y'all have time to do a reading and, and you're tweeting your feelings every five minutes? I, I don't get it. Well, well, I do get it. The tweeting your feelings is to draw in consistent, regular, other codependent folks who, who, make, who drive your numbers up, who, who drive your following count up. But, th- but that doesn't equate to ministry. That don't equate to ritual. That doesn't equate to authentic practice. And Christy Washington wants to remind us that we're reading without actually comprehending. Oh, yeah, I read it. I saw it. Just like we say, I'm listening. But do you hear me? Do you hear me? Brother, stop saying, I know. I got it. I know. I got it. Stop saying that. Just, just do. If you got it, then just do. But stop saying, I know. I got it. And, not, and stop saying, you feel me. Because I'm not feeling you <laughs> with my hands. <laughs> And, 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 and I'm, do you feel me means do you understand what I'm saying? No. No, I don't understand what you're saying. Find your words. You know what I mean? Not mean? Not mean? No, I don't know what you mean. All I'm hearing is not mean. I'm, I'm not hearing the words in between the you know what I mean. So we're not, we're not beloved. Um, and we can blame it on everybody. We can blame it on the government. We can blame it on the school system. You know, we try to blame it on the teachers, you know, and as um, I believe, I'm not sure, was the neophyte book course, someone in the chat, no, it was someone in the chat said that, you know, we're programmed really young. It might have been J.P. Terrell to learn from television, to learn from entertainment. And some of us think we're doing a good thing. Your, your child only watches, you know, Sesame Street, Electric Company, you know, PBS. But there's also still that program that's happening that, okay, I'm watching trustworthy programming. I'm watching educational programming. So this box must offer me more than this. And, and, and by the time you're 10, 12, your child is exposed to other children in most cases, goes to other children's houses in most cases. And they're exposed to everything. And then you households that say you don't have a TV, they go to their friend's house and watch YouTube, watch the videos on, on, a, on, a, on a device, on the laptop. So it has everything to do with what's being put in our mind. I am grateful for my mother. I am grateful. My mother was the first piece person to speak in the chat today. But I'm grateful for my mother and how she educated us, how she taught us to educate ourselves, how she taught us to read for comprehension. And so it's one thing to tell your child to read a story. It's a whole other thing to have your child write a book report on the story. How many of you read, you know, your children the bedtime story? How, how many times have you asked them to, those who can write, you know, elementary school, to write their feelings about the story? To write their comprehension about the story. What, what was the story about? That's what a book report is really about. What was the book about? Not just the title and the author. What was it about? How do you feel? You know, what can you imagine? What can you recreate from it? That's what that exercise in using a pen or a pencil is all about. When's the last time you used a pen or a pencil? 
<laughs> I use one every day, but I'm, I'm just asking. Uh, Hidden Realm Sorcery's dad was the same way with financial books at the time. And she said she just didn't get it, but she's grateful now. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't get it. You know, we were learning the Internet from a very rudimentary perspective in the eighth grade. Uh, I can't remember what year that would have been uh, when I was in the eighth grade. Uh, maybe 78, 79, something like that. Um, I wish I had to pay more attention. This was before Microsoft. This was before, you know, uh, Jobs. This was before some of these great legends that we now acknowledge, some who've already gone on to heaven or wherever, you know, tech legends go. Um, I had no idea either hidden round sorcery and wish I paid attention. It took my interest in quartz crystal and its metaphysical, healing, spiritual, magical properties to really get me to go back and study geography, geometry, uh, math, uh, even chemistry to some degree. And so in my 20s, I'm going to the library just, I mean, wow, just ingesting um, science books, math books, you know, that, you know, we were introduced to in, in school, but they don't connect the dots. They don't teach it and give it to you in a way that makes sense. And a common question that many children ask is, well, what am I going to do with this? How is this geometry and this, you know, uh, algebra, you know, and cap- how is this going to help me in real life? And once upon a time, we thought, we thought we were just going to graduate, get a, get a diploma, and get a job, and that was going to be good enough. That ain't good enough in America anymore. You can't survive on a high school diploma anymore. I mean, you can, you know, if you, if you can budget and you're good at counting your pennies and, and squeezing that Lincoln until he hollers, you can. You know, we know many single-headed households are making it happen. We know many grandparent-headed households who are raising their grandchildren are making it happen, but it's really not a, a, a healthy reality in America. No more is having a college degree. A BA, a BS, a MS don't guarantee you nothing in the Western world in 2021. Nothing. So I'm with you hitting rounds, you know, and I'm grateful for what I did ingest, what I did digest. I'm, I'm grateful that, I, that not only did my mother take us to the museums regularly, uh, and then the school took you to the museum at least once or twice a year. And then on my downtime, I hung out at the museum, the science museum, the history museum, uh, nature, the, the zoo in D.C., one of my favorite places, the, the um, um, Air and Space Museum, Frederick Douglass House. Frederick Douglass House was my playground. I'm serious, y'all. I'm not just storytelling. Frederick Douglass House was my playground growing up. You could go into Frederick Douglass House for free as long as you were with a tour guide and, and go from room to room, space to space. George Washington's mansion was my playground growing up. I've been there enough times to memorize some of the rooms in that place. I know and understand the slave quarters of that place. So, you know, it doesn't matter how educated the parent is. 
You can't beat yourself up for not being the most educated parent. But you can take your child to the library and make them read. You can take your child to the museum, to plays, to theater, to opera, and expose your children to something greater than what you maybe can afford at the moment. And those things, I'm a witness, those things is what make our children great as adults, what what makes them expand beyond the self-imposed and prison limitations that we place on ourselves. One of my favorite saying is, we love to hug the block, especially those from the hood. We love to hug the block, but the block don't hug back. The block don't hug back. And I have too many clients and godchildren in prison to know that, who hear from me more regularly than they hear from, from the block, who communicate more regularly with me than, than they do with their family. The block, listen, if you're listening to me and you out there, the block ain't going to be there for you. And I don't like the fact that we've taken neighbor out of the neighborhood. <clears throat> we say hood and we remove neighbor. And so we're not neighborly. We don't speak. We don't say, hey, how you doing? Good morning, good night, good evening. Some of y'all don't even know who live in the house next to you or across the street. Don't know how many kids live there. I do. <laughs> Some of us old school folks do, you know. And back in the day, everybody did. You know, we were glad to live in a neighborhood and know that there were other black people who lived there. And, 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 and we knew they worked. And they, we knew the husband worked. And we knew how many kids they had. And you kept an eye out. You know, when that bus pulled up at the corner, you, even if you ain't got no kids, because I've done it. I did it in Memphis during the Katrina, Hurricane Katrina evacuation for three years. I didn't know none of those kids, but I didn't like the spot next to the open park where they let these kids off, where older folks would sit and, and drink and, and do drugs. And I would watch those kids to make sure those kids made it back to their house. I didn't have to know them. Didn't have to know their parents. But we're now teaching each other not to be neighborly. Mind your business. Don't snitch and, you know, don't tell, you know, and, and then at the same time say our neighborhoods are degrading. Say our communities are degrading. And, and, and I'm not just talking about the neighborhood. Okay, suburbs too. How many pedophiles and abuse cases and, and crazy murder cases come out of the suburbs? I, I watch programming. I, I don't have a TV, but I watch programming. <laughs> okay, they got a program for every kind of murderer now: the, the the wife murderer, the love murderer, the family murderer. They got all kind of murder shows on TV right now. Re- calling them reality shows. I like reality shows. I like 60 Days In. I I like that kind of stuff, you know. So it ain't just happening in the city. It ain't just happening in the neighborhood. It's also happening in the rural places. And and those people feel even more isolated and trapped because they don't necessarily have a neighbor they can run to. They they don't necessarily have public transportation that can take them, you know, to, to a safer place. So we, we got to check our heads. In Yoruba, that's Ori. We got to check our heads before we check anything or anybody. We got to be able to check ourselves before we can check anything or anybody. And be willing to be authentic. 
You ain't got to be authentic with me. You don't have to prove nothing to me. Be authentic to yourself and prove authenticity to yourself. Now, when we're dealing with mental health and, and imbalanced consciousness, you see things differently. And, and unfortunately, the world scripture spoke to that. A day we would live and right will be taken for wrong and wrong will be taken for right. And, and, and it can for sure say red and we see blue. It'll for sure say blue and we'll see red. We're living in those days right now. We're living in those days right now. Half our country right now is willing to be entertained, is willing to believe in a lie and illusion, is, is willing to go for dollar signs and gold statues. Yeah, it's a reason that statue is gold. You know, we got to wake up. We got to wake ourselves up and, and truly be conscious and, and in the moment. Um, Craig Burns says, watching advertising kind of shows how easily distracted people are. Yes, absolutely. They're counting on it. And, and scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Our attention span ain't but, listen, I've tested it. I posted, I believe, four videos on Instagram. The longest video is 30 seconds. That is the least viewed video out of the four. And in my opinion, it's the best video, but that's my opinion. But 15 seconds, five seconds, you know, they added that story to the top of Instagram, to the top of Facebook. You know, attention span ain't but 15 seconds for many people. That's why TV commercials are timed exactly the way that they are. A 90-second commercial is really long. A 90-second commercial is an infomercial. And the only commercials I can think of that are like that are, uh, what is it, the, the, the organization that deals with uh, child cancer, those commercials are, are, are 90 seconds long. Um, poverty and destruction in, in other countries, Haiti, Africa, those commercials, especially at night, can be 90 seconds long. And for those of you who are saying, I ain't got a TV, yeah, it's on YouTube, it's on Hulu, it's on Netflix, same commercials, um, except they tend to be even longer online. Um, but nobody pays attention to that. That's why they have to run them 15 times in a two-hour period, because the, the attention span is, is too short. Five minutes in, and people are moving on to the next thing. Some of you are, are, are watching me and viewing me and listening to me, and, I, and I'm grateful but you're already on Instagram right now. <laughs> you're already on Twitter right now, you know, and are still listening to me. J.P. Terrell offered, I think it is our school system that has co-opted education as it's focused on only passing tests and getting good grades, not retaining knowledge or using it in a practical way. Um, J.P. Terrell, I agree with you. I do. Where I have a difference of opinion is I believe the responsibility falls on the parent, the parent, no matter the educational level of the parent. I think to some degree because of our culture, and when you say the school system, you might as well say the government um, and, and the system behind that. Again, materialism, and not just materialism, the cost of housing, the cost of food, the cost of gas. You're forced to work. You're forced to continue sharecropping. 
you're forced to continue enslavement just to survive. Those who are finding themselves alleviated from that kind of pressure are entrepreneurs, self-employed individuals, people who might be an attorney, might be a driver, might be a lawyer, might be in housing and real estate, but work autonomously. They don't quite have that same degree of pressure. But particularly if you're 9 to 5, 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week, you're kind of just robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're just trying to maintain your taxes and your bill. Uh, And so the school then becomes daycare. The school then becomes a place where I feel that I can safely, well, at least we used to think it was safe, send my children to, you know, for six hours out of the day, you know, and allow me to work. And then all you have to worry about is maybe the babysitter, maybe the after-school activity, somewhere they can go where where you feel your child is safe. In the modernization that took place, I'm going to say from like, I was going to say 1986, but I'm going to say from like 1980 onward, this commercialism, modernization, materialism, designer label, you know, things really changed for the household and the parents, particularly on the lower financial ends of the spectrum. And so, yeah, I think I agree with you 100%, but I think, again, the responsibility falls back on the parents. A good parent, a good grandparent, a good guardian, no matter what, is going to make sure their child is is getting what they're being sent to that school for. Uh, That's one of my favorite episodes of of Good Times is when Florida and James went to the school for Michael, who came home with with a bad report card, who had never come home with a bad report card before. Uh, and they wanted to question what was going on. Uh, another episode, I like good times, by the way, if you don't already know, uh, was when they went to the school for, for uh, JJ, who suddenly came home with a really good pro, you know, report card, who had never come home with a good report card before. And they wanted to be sure that their children were getting what they were paying taxes for. They wanted to be sure their children were getting what they sent them there for. And we see that kind of energy often in the wealthier communities, the more fluent communities, even in the suburban communities, you know, middle-income communities, where families, parents have the time and the luxury and the, and the, and the uh, desire to show up at the meetings, to show up at the parent-teacher conferences, you know, I participate in my community. I don't broadcast it a lot. I probably don't talk about it enough. And particularly during the pandemic when almost everything is available on Zoom. So the city council meetings, the meetings with the police department, I'm there. The community organization meetings, I'm there. The redevelopment of, of, of Armstrong Park and a municipal auditorium, which is going to affect Congo Square, I'm in those meetings. But when we think about that, even before the pandemic, my community ain't always there. And we got a whole lot of excuses. Oh, well, I don't get involved with politics. Oh, I don't get involved with this. I don't get, I don't get involved with that. You know, but then when the changes are enforced upon us, we complain. We get upset. We get worked up. I was watching um, Roots last night, by the way. Uh, Sundance showed Roots. 
the original roots, the Alex Haley roots. And something that stood out to me. Say it again. The old one or the new one? The old one, the original. The old And I can't remember which particular character it was, but I I remember the scene. Um, They had their freedom now. And they had a house and they had land and they were sharecropping. This was how they introduced the KKK into Roots. And so here come the white folk on horses to terrorize and, and burn everything down. And so, of course, some of them wanted to leave. Well, they don't want us here. Why don't we just leave? And, and the lead character, I can't remember who he was, um, and I've seen Roots a million times, but the lead character said, oh, no, we free. This our land. And, and without land, where do we live? How do we eat? How do we survive? And so it's an it's a attitude, it's a philosophy that never gets old, that never gets old. How many of you are renting versus how many of you own your house? And how many of you own your house versus those of you who own the land that your house is on? How many of you got land? It ain't got to have nothing on it. Just have the land. Start there. That's where I'm starting. Start there. You know, I got land in Mississippi where I can grow food, herbs, and transport them back to the city. And it's right up against my people's land. So somebody's got an eye on it. Just buy land. Buy the empty lot. Okay, buy the abandoned house where they used to sell crack and and tear it down and, and redevelop the land. Put a garden there. You know, put some herbs there. You know, start with the land. Um, we're, we're buying stuff that we are throwing away. We're buying stuff that's plastic. We're buying stuff that has no value. If you were forced to have to sell it, it has no value. And I was taught that while hitchhiking in my 20s. I got picked up by this wealthy business white man. And once he started asking questions, I knew I was safe. Uh, but he wants to know, what are you doing out here? Where did you come from? Where are you going? What's your goal? And he was the first person outside of public school and private school education that ever spoke to me about business and finance and my attitude and relationship with money that made any kind of sense to me. So buying stuff that don't have any value, that if you had to resell it, you're going to sell it for a dollar, but you bought it for a hundred. It has no value. And, and, and do we really need all this extra stuff, you know, that we're buying, that we're supporting someone else's wealth for, just for it to end up in, in the ocean, just for it to become, you know, plastic debris, you know, in our water, which we consume, by the way. You know, that plastic and, and, and the drugs and, and all chemicals break down and, and end up in your water. And so they, they do all kind of sanitizing and cleansing and bleaching and, and return that water back to the system. As disgusting as that sounds, that, that's the reality, y'all. <laughs> that's the reality. So some people. I've changed uh, a lot of minds at my previous workplace because they, uh, they didn't realize. I walked to um, I walked to 
work or I rode my bike to work at one point. And I would read the signs going into the district that uh, that our, our workplace was in. One sign that I noticed was reclaimed water, recycled water district. You're this outside year. of the house. This year. You're outside of the housing uh, development and you're now in the commercial industry. So that means that in your commercial site, they're not pumping in drinking water, but yet they have water fountains all over the place. What do you think they're drinking? Reclaimed water. That's why it has that harsh kind of hard feeling in your throat. You're drinking a lot of different, um, what do you call that, uh, uh, fluoride mm-hmm. and bleach and that sort of thing. And you can see it. Just take your water. Put it in your, in your water bottle or clear one and let it sit for a little while. Let it get cold and you can see all the particulates in your water. So they, uh, I had a lot of people at work not drinking the water anymore. <laughs> and the company was trying to figure out what, what the hell's going on. Why is everybody complaining about it? Because I was telling everybody, yeah, you're drinking recycled water. You can read the signs out in front of the building. They, they're telling you before you go in there. But they're not saying it to you. They're making you read it. But if you don't read it, you don't. They, and they've, they've given you warning, mm-hmm. and you agree. You're agreeing to it That's once right. you don't acknowledge it. That's right. Eagle yep. Turtle Star, I, I, I appreciate you, beloved. We need you to be in the show a little bit more regularly. I, I like a lot of your comments. Yeah, student loan debt is a big scam. Um, I'm gonna share myself. I went to airline school in 1986, Academy Pacific, uh, Hollywood and Vine Streets, for those of you who know. I was there, I was in the school for two weeks, but I probably came to class four times before that plane dropped out of the sky in Suez Falls, Iowa, and killed all those people. Uh, That ended my desire to go into the airline industry. I am still to this day, dealing with that loan. Still to this day. Now, now, let me reveal a little bit more of my personal private business. I'm on disability. Permanent disability. I shouldn't even have a student loan debt. Especially after Obama, I shouldn't even have student loan debt. But I'm still dealing with a $7,000 student loan bill from a two hundred from a twenty five hundred dollar student loan from nineteen eighty six. So student loan debt is absolutely a big scam. And for those of you with your masters and your doctorates and who got a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in student debt, I was watching some news program the other day and the journalist, you know, revealed that he had a hundred thousand dollars in student debt. And you assume people with a great job, a great career, oh, they should have been been able to pay that off. Not in this system and, and not in this economy. And when, and when you gain a little bit here, they increase your, your check over here, they increase your pay over here, you pay more over there. Your food goes up, your, your travel costs goes up, your housing goes up. So it's absolutely, uh, student loan debt is absolutely a big scam. Trade and skills are beneficial. He says beneficial on top of degree. Yes, 
You can have as many degrees, but if you don't have no trade, no skills, no ability, no ability to make or create or do something, particularly something specialized, you're still a slave. You're still a slave. And I like to remind people that voodoo, and particularly voodoo as we know it, is about revolution, is about liberation, is about freedom. You know, all this love work and, and money spells, and that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Voodoo is about freedom, revolution, liberation, independence. And so the idea that we separate the two. I can still be involved in, in, in a whole bunch of foolishness over here to the left and then get on Twitter and, and claim to be representing a tradition. It's just that, foolishness. Uh, go ahead, uh, Neophyte Bokur, while I try and get my chat together. Yeah, um, I find it interesting that, um, well, two things, really. Uh, in our schools, our high schools, used to be where you would get firsthand experience with having a trade. You had wood shop, you had metal shop, you had mechanics, you had um, auto shop, you had your um, you had your music. Nowadays, the only thing that's a trade is sports. That's it. Basketball, volleyball, football. Um, if you're lucky to have any alternative sport, um, that, that seems to be the only viable trade in your school system right now. All the other stuff is just they, they lost their funding. Convenient. Yeah. Then I noticed there's another similarity. Um, voodoo itself is a trade. You have to be an apprentice to someone who is knowledgeable in order to pass the tradition down. And this isn't. Uh, and here's where the trade is. This is being a doctor or, or a field doctor. That's the only thing I can uh, equate it to. It's like you are either a field doctor, a field counselor, a field therapist. Um, you're healing the body. The majority practice is healing. I mean, you're, either you're healing the mind or you're physically healing the body. Or you're spiritually this healing practice, the soul. Yeah. Your spirit, your soul. This is a, this is a practice of healing, which is needed. And for black people, they wouldn't they wouldn't take us in. They wouldn't work on us in the hospital. The uh, yeah, parents have uh, to speak. Yeah, yeah. You need to come up here on this panel. <laughs> yes, you know, many of you have a lot to say, and I just wish y'all would turn your webcam on. I'm only going to be here about 15 more minutes. Uh, get on the phone lines. We appreciate your active participation. And, and Terrell, J.P. Terrell, Eagle, Eagle Turtle Star, yeah, all of you have a lot to say. The Goddess Initiative, all of you have a lot of, of powerful, important things to say. And, and I appreciate you. You have the St. Jude and the SBCA commercials. Yeah, those are the longest commercials on TV. And the SBCA, this is not going to be popular. Some of y'all going to hate me. But they have over... Humanized, I shouldn't say over. They have humanized animals to a degree that we don't see people at all. We don't see people at all. We're quick to post, my cat died, my dog died, my best friend died in Twitter, and get a thousand likes on it, a thousand shares on it. 
And, and people could be starving at your door, being abused right next door. And, and we don't humanize. We don't see our neighbors as humans. We don't see each other as humans. Another point um, Eagle Turtle Star made that I wanted to speak to was the prison to uh, the school to prison pipeline. It's absolutely a plan to move you from one place to another as quickly as possible without you interfering with society as, as little as possible. Um, and, and many of you see it, but don't know how to stop it, don't know how to block it, don't know how to prevent it. Uh, I watched another uh, Meet the Browns. I watched that again yesterday, and it stood out to me that Angela Bass's biggest worry was that her son was going to get involved in drug dealing and, and be killed. And that's exactly what happened. He got involved with drug dealing and was killed. Now, again, I, I get it. It's entertainment. We don't see the fullness of, of everything that's going on when it's in entertainment. You know, but how does she address that? How did she address that? You know, how did the family address that? What kind of support was in place? And, and he said, you know, I love you, mama. I don't want to leave you like all your men left you. I, I don't want to be a coward. So, so I know you're struggling, and, and that's his reason for, for going out and getting involved in drugs. And, and some of you mothers have backed that. I'm not standing in judgment, but some of you mothers and fathers have backed that, have allowed that. Know your kids is bringing home dirty money. My mama would have never accepted it. My grandmama would have never accepted it. My great-grandmama would have never accepted it. You know, back in the day, you were expected to excel. I also wanted to speak, uh, Neophyte Bocourt, to that thing about hands-on training in schools. I think I was the last generation to see that. I graduated high school in 1984. Uh, four months ahead of my class because I had already left school the, the year before. But I graduated four months before my class graduated. And I believe that's the last generation to teach baking, cooking, sewing, metalwork, wood carving, you know, how to fix and repair a car. And it was a part of the normal public school curriculum. Once we got our freedom, you know, our liberation, so to speak, our integration in the 1970s, and it became apparent now that we wanted the same things white school had, that's when they eliminated it from the, from the budget, beloved. That's when it became easy to remove that money from the school system and then apply it to the police department and, and, the, and the prisons. And, and, and again, 84, 85 is, is when that kicked in. Um, even music, art. How many of your children still have art at school where they actually use paintbrushes or build clay or work with paper mache? Um, very little. Do they still have school choirs? I know they do here in New Orleans, in Orleans Paris. Do they still have bands? Do they still have symphony, you know, in your schools? Or, or is it just uh, eagle turtle star, you might have children. I'm just assuming from how you write. You may have children. Uh, do they still even do that? Do they still even offer that? Or, or is it just book knowledge, book learning, preparation for passing, you know, these 
standardized tests, which ultimately have to do with their funding in the long run. They're not concerned about the progress of the individual, but the funding that any school district uh, might receive at, at any given time. As the Goddess Initiative, you already know I'm, I'm born in Chicago. I didn't go to school in Chicago because my dad was a, a bigamist and moved my family away. But many of my brothers and sisters uh, still are in Chicago, went through Chicago school, school system, became adults in Chicago, and are now raising, raising children in, in Chicago. Uh, she mentions uh, when her son was in kindergarten, they were teaching Hanukkah, not Kwanzaa. So you know she volunteered to give that talk to the class. I'm shocked that that's still an issue. Um, my mother was the first in our area, in our school district, Anne Arundel County, Maryland, to introduce black history into the school, black anything into the school. And my mother was a music teacher, so she used music and that space within the music room. You know, back in the day, a music teacher had a room, often with a stage and with many instruments, rhythm instruments and rattles and bells and things for the, for the students to use and participate in. I'm not sure they do that anymore. I'm just not sure they do that anymore. Um, you might still get a limited amount of that in the black church. J.P. Terrell, because they support music and, and the popularization of music. So you, you might have one or two musicians that might be willing to teach, you know, others. But um, it didn't, uh, it, it, it's not happening at the school level. J.P. Terrell says if he hadn't grown up in the black church, he wouldn't know about black history. And, and we have to give the black church and particularly the black church of older years, older decades, that credit. Uh, there was a time when the focus wasn't on just religion. I remember that. I remember a time when the black church was very concerned about mortgages, how much property was being owned, how many people in the church owned their houses. I remember that from the 1960s into the 1970s. I remember black power. Black magic, if you will, coming into the, into the church space. Uh, and then again, the 80s kicked in, the material 80s, the, the tag and the label, designer 80s, and then the concern was gaining money and the whole attitude, the whole environment of the black church shifted. The spiritual and religious experience many of you younger people are having at the, at the religious level right now with the church um, it wasn't like that in the 60s and the 70s. Now, that's not to suggest that things were perfect, but there was a great deal more emphasis on independence, autonomy, finance, education. You were applauded and brought up to the front of the church when you graduated, when you got honors, when you got admitted to a, to a college or a university. And in some churches, uh, they had a, a budget for that. And so, you know, several people, 100 people, 200 people in the church sent you money to make sure you made it to Spelman, to make sure you made it to Howard, to make sure you made it, you know, uh, to Morehouse, you know, and, and, and were successful in that endeavor. I'm not so sure that exists anymore. 
Jesse C is uh, 28. Greetings, beloved. I, I like hearing opinions from, from different demographics. And forgive me, I'm a little slow on my chat. Um, Eagle Turtle Star, happily BC. I think that means you live in British Columbia. Correct me if I'm wrong. His daddy was a fireman. And he didn't have student loan debt. Yeah, that yeah, that that's the way it was back in the day. And adults, parents did everything they could not to have credit, not to have debt. And and, and when they saw how strong that pattern was, then the credit cards started coming. I, I can remember a time where, where credit cards didn't just show up in your mailbox. And I don't think that quite happens anymore either, because so many people took advantage of it. But I can remember a time in the 90s, even going into the 2000s, when um, credit cards would just show up at your door, you know, and it took very little for you to, to use them and, and go into debt with them. And I, I think I want to say in maybe the 2010s, uh, credit card debt just got so out of control. I don't think anybody just gets a credit card showing up in their mailbox anymore like that. I, I want to say I can't remember the last time I saw a credit card commercial, to be quite honest. And I know they're still rolling, but not like they used to, not like they used to. So they're finding new, more innovative ways to get people um, caught up, locked up in, in debt. I would love to own a camper, an RV. Uh, th- that would be a great addition to, to, to my ministry. If somebody has an RV they want to donate, I'm I'm welcome to take it. Yeah, no mortgage is like freedom. You know, just, you know, my idea is if I can put a tent, you know, a log cabin on, on my land, I'd be, that'd be good enough for me. You know, of course, you know, I would have power at some point and water. But even before I could afford all that, um, solar powered, battery operated, you know, it's all kind of ways to make that work. I I was a Boy Scout, a Cub Scout, a Weeblow, and in the Army. Uh, So so there is a part of who I am that many of you don't recognize that would survive well uh, in a rural area or, or, or in an unincorporated area. Yeah, that water stains your glass. It tells you something's in it. If you keep vases, if you keep those of you who got your ancestral shrines and, and your boba does, have you noticed the cleaning that is required on your glasses sometimes? What is that? You know, and the easy part, oh, that's mineral deposits. No, it's a, hot, a whole lot more than just mineral deposits. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Glow Woe. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Yeah, I agree with you. They stain your glasses. Certainly there's something going on with the water. Yeah, grants and scholarships are much more readily available than people realize. And we're not just talking about education. Uh, There's some grant writers that I know who who are getting money for cultural things, for educational things, for starting new businesses. There are grants for women. There are grants for men. There are grants for the LGBT community. There are grants for the religious community. You just have to be willing to do the work. 
almost like an attorney to read the documents, to go through what's available, to locate and find the grants, and in some cases, scholarships that might be available that you might find that you are qualified for. And again, that information often doesn't make its way into our community, and particularly our community who does not participate in going to these meetings city council meetings, the mayor office meetings, the state meetings, you know, and, and hearing and being privy to that information. Because certainly those who are there are, are going to share that information with their own, and, and that often doesn't trickle down. Even in our community, there are people in our community that gain access to this information and are not sharing it, are only sharing it to a, an elite group of people you know, that, that are working together or, or have favor uh, with them. Yeah, this should be a topic uh, that's talked about a lot. This should be a topic that we take seriously. Oh, it's almost 2 o'clock. I'm, I'm going to have to go, y'all. Uh, let me make sure. Let me go through my chat as quickly as I can. Okay, Craig Burns' partner has a Ph.D., and, and is struggling to find work. So, yeah, degrees don't guarantee you success or financial freedom. Having skills, having trades, having knowledge, having talents, having abilities, those are the things that guarantee us success, long-term success and financial freedom. Uh, Jess C. says they phase out trades in public schools uh, right before he got to high school, 2005, and maybe earlier. Uh, Global, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's a $250,000 student loan. Yeah, that that's a lot. That, that that's enslavement. That's a lot. Uh, thank you, Eagle Star. We we appreciate you in all of your participation and, and comments. Thank you so much, Craig Burns, for participating. Jess C. Thank you so much. Go. Thank you. Shamafia Rageless, thank you so much for participating and your comments. I'm grateful for you. I wouldn't have a show without you. Thank you, Neophyte Bokur, for always being consistent and, and ready to be a co-host. Uh, Chef Bougie says they don't care about musicianship in schools. It develops creativity and advances mathematics, and mathematics is the key to reading music. That's right. That's right. And, and kids are familiar with drum machines and synthesizers and then voice amplifiers, you know, and distortion. Uh, y'all would be hurt to know some of your most favorite people can't sing. Can't sing at all, can't carry a note, can't, uh, but it can be synthesized, it can be played around with on a computer, you know, and, and, and they're very popular. Some of them are making a lot of money, but they're not uh, uh, motivating you and your children to actually learn to play an instrument, to actually learn to read and understand music, uh, which, as Chef Bougie uh, says, requires an understanding of mathematics. It requires an ability to count. Uh, Jesse graduated in 2010 in Philadelphia. 
And he says, yes, they do have music, art, some of those uh, skilled uh, structured uh, teachings, but they've slimmed it down a lot. Uh, he was in middle school, a music school for middle school, special admit, and learned music theory, music tech, choir, and played the violin. Yes, that's a powerful uh, experience that will carry you throughout life. I'm sure you would agree with me. While I have a lot in the chat, y'all didn't put a lot on me. Jefferson Paris said, okay, Glowwell, I should have known by the way you spell your name, you were a local. Yes, indeed. Jefferson Paris, if you all don't know, uh, is more white and more affluent than many people view Orleans Parish. <laughs> okay? Uh, people look at out east and the West Bank as maybe a little bit more rural than or- Orleans Parish. Uh, but, yeah, being a local, I get it. I get it. Um, but thank you so much for being here and for, for participating. Uh, as a child, Glowo's church fed everyone breakfast and dinner. And that was many moons ago. Yeah, I remember when you couldn't go to church without eating and making sure that everybody there w- was fed. Peace and love, uh, beloved brother. Grand rising to you as well, Conscious Nash. Please continue to support the show and, and show up at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time with me. On both the platform you're viewing and hearing me on now, but also on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. I like the idea of solar panels. Yes, get your solar panels, cut the ties to the, to the power system, to the power grid, uh, to, the, to the greatest of your ability. Uh, do many of you understand that, that there are still places like Nigeria, Ghana, Jamaica, you know, that don't have consistent power all the time? And, and those people go on and those people live and those people take in tourists uh, and, and those people are, 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 are enjoying life to some degree. Now, of course, they have poverty. In, in, in many areas, you know, which are also affected by that lack of power. Uh, Uganda, you know, has been fighting for their freedom and for their liberation. So I'm able to monitor on Twitter when they don't have Internet, when they don't have power, things that we in the West take for granted. The U.K., America, Canada, we take those things for granted, having regular and consistent power and, and having free, well, it ain't free but having running water, uh, which might sometimes be a little questionable in its quality. But in many places in the world, places that we say that we love and have love for, uh, they don't have that. Uh, Get a boat, buy a boat, a fishing boat, a yacht, a houseboat. That's a great idea, Craig Burns. Buy a boat, another tool to freedom, ability to capture your own food, Somewhere to go if, if you got to move. Somewhere to move if you, if it's a hurricane coming, buy a boat. That's a great idea. Jessie is also a woman. Somehow I knew that. <laughs> math and music is uh, and was and she was a math whiz and a violinist, but she was not voted motivated at the time to finish high school at all. Um, I wasn't either. I, I was bullied. I was picked on in high school. 
And so I left high school in April of my 11th grade year. Now, what I did do, which is not always that common, I immediately went back to to adult school, immediately. Uh, And in PG County, Maryland, at the time, the the rules may have changed since. Uh, If you left school and then went to adult school and got your... um, GED, before your class graduated, you still got a high school diploma. So I got a GED and a GED and a high school diploma because I graduated or finished testing four months before my class actually finished. So those young people underneath the sound of my voice, maybe you are still at home. Maybe you're still in high school. Maybe it's problematic for you. Maybe you're being bullied and picked on. LGTB community, okay, leave school, but don't finish. I mean, don't finish school, but leave. Leave school, but make sure you finish, and finish right away. Finish right away. So so the minute you decide you can't handle high school anymore, you immediately go and enroll in adult education in your community or wherever that programming is, is being offered and get your GED. Um, I'm not quite sure, but in many cases, the the rules are still the same. You'll still get your high school diploma along with your GED. Uh, And and that's what I I did, what I had to do. Um, I'm going to have to move on, you all. Uh, Consciousness, yes, absolutely, you can post my contact links at work uh, and try and tune in. I appreciate you. Uh, I do. Um, I appreciate all of my listeners and my participants, and there are many uh, neophyte vocor. Just because they don't call, just because they don't turn their cam on, don't mean that I cannot see them. Uh, and these platforms are counting you, okay? And you might have your blocks on, and you might be anonymous, and you might be ghosting, but that still passes through the counter. Uh, so I know who's how many. I may not know who. But I know how many, I know from where, I know from what countries, and this is a popular show. And, and I'm grateful, eternally grateful for you all's consistent support and love and showing up. And for people like Chef Bougie and, and uh, Queen Orisha and Shamafia and, and those who continue to work with me off air, I'm grateful. I'm truly grateful. You can't operate in ATR. You can't operate in voodoo, hoodoo, obia, volcorism in isolation. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Voodoo is nature just as much as voodoo is community. Voodoo is family. And we offer family here in this sacred space. Um, I appreciate you. I'm going to end the show now. Thank you so much for sitting with me, Neophyte Volcor always finding a way to work and still be present. And I'm grateful for all of you, Conscious Nash and everyone who's at work and chose to tune in with me. And I'll be forward. uh, Let me check my schedule real quick. Give me a second. Um, I'll be forward tomorrow at noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. I won't be here Wednesday, and I'll be filming again on Thursday, uh, which is why I'm still clean-shaven. When I'm filming, I'm clean shaven. Uh, but I'll be here tomorrow, Tuesday, March 2nd, and then I'll return again Friday. Uh, and check back. I may post some videos uh, in the interim. 
I'm grateful for you. I love you. I support you in your endeavors. All of my incarcerated clients, all my incarcerated godchildren, I'm there for you. If nobody's there for you, I'm there for you. All of the blessings, peace and love, joy and prosperity, divine all blessed unity and community. Ashe, oh, Ashe. Let the church say, Ay, Bobo. Blessings and Ashe, Conscious Nash. Blog Talk Radio, I'm always grateful for your listenership. I invite you to continue to listen and to participate. Please write down my number. Lock it in your phone. You can call me on area code 845-277-9143. 845-277-9143. Remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil. Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses 
double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square, Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat. Be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat, heart beat, heart beat at this place, at this place, beat, heart beat, beat, we beating place in new world space. Beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk. Our music, the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end. Connected together and singing, ringing. Singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be bonza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate without of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, Deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. 
without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat, be, beat. Remember. 